Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. of you are grateful that you show up to El Toro High School and we've got the sound equipment and the screens and, and everything outside with the coffee brewed and the tents up because yeah, how many know after service when it's 86 degrees and our, us Orange Countyites are freaking out because it's so hot? Uh, yeah, in the children's area that looks so good. How many of you love all that stuff? Can we just give a hand clap for some amazing setup? And here's the part you don't even realize. Every Sunday we show up here at 9 a.m., snap our fingers like Mary Poppins and it is here. Is that amazing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm lying to you. No, there's an army of men and women who just say, you know what? Uh, I don't have extra time, but I've got extra heart. And I want to help create a place where people can come on a Sunday morning and experience the power of who God is. And so they show up in a rotation and, and they come to this, this facility and they help set up. And, and then after service is over, when it's 87 degrees outside and you guys are finishing your lunch and relaxing by the pool, they're loading the truck up and driving it off and taking care of the truck that stores all of our equipment. And, and they do this every week because they want you to experience God do something awesome in your life. And that team of people is called The Crew. Can you do me a favor and give a hand clap to the men and women that make that possible? And here's what I love. This is mind-blowing, but I just found out we've actually got an awesome opportunity for you. A couple spots came available on the crew. Can you believe it? We don't let just anybody on the crew, by the way. It's, I mean, you have to be at least breathing. And so um, there's a couple spots that are available. And so if you say, you know what, you know, I could do that. I, I could throw a couple hours on a rotation on a Sunday morning to help set up. Or, yeah, I could stick around for an hour or so, maybe two, uh, on a rotation after service on a Sunday and help load up. Man, you know what you can do is you actually, you're not just doing work, you're sacrificing so that people can experience the hope of who Jesus is. We won't be a church without what they do. And I wanna challenge you, if you're here, maybe you've been dragging your feet and thinking about it. Maybe you're not on a team yet, shame on you, change that. And uh, sign up today. You can text the word crew to the number on our screen or you can meet our crew captains uh, right after our service. There's space for you. Literally, it, it's, it's the greatest time you'll ever spend. We have a blast. We laugh. We talk about sports. And, uh, and really what we do is we create a place for people to find hope and to belong. Hey, you and I are a reflection and a representation of the sacrifice of those that have gone before us. So I wanna challenge you, maybe jump on the crew and help make a difference. Can you do that today? I saw nobody grabbing your phones. So Jamie, I'm sorry, they're not listening to me. I apologize. But uh, hopefully some of you may text the word crew or talk to our captains after service. Listen, we're in week two of our series called Stranger Things. Everybody say Stranger Things. And we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so I know that everyone in this room has a blueprint or a background of what church looks like or should be like in your life. And that creates some complications when it comes to coming together and experience the fullness of what God can and wants to do in our life. So we decided we're going to take an entire series to unpack the person of, not the it, the person of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I would ask as I do every week as I'm going to pray to start our service off. And from the youngest to the oldest and everyone in between, I would just ask that you open your hearts and your ears and your minds 
and maybe your mind's eye to the possibilities of the potential of what God can and more importantly, wants to do in our lives today. Can we do that? What a powerful worship journey that was today. There's something about when we just come with an expectation and God shows up and kind of rewrites the script. And I think, here's what I know. Everybody look him in the eyes for a moment. As Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy referenced earlier, the Bible says that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith, which means he's the author of the story of your life. Often we take the pen from his hands and try to write the pages on our own. And I don't know about you, but that's when I get into trouble. I'm like, I know I got this God. He's like, okay, <laughs> let me know when you're ready. And I think that if I'm just being honest for a moment, I think God wants to rewrite the script of your life today and kind of just take the pen back and say, hey, I've got something different for you. Can we just pray and be open to that? Like just that, the endless possibilities of what God can and wants to do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for us. God, we're just so grateful that you're here. We're so thankful that you show up in a church service at El Toro High School, Charger Hall, a building that our taxpayer dollars built for the purposes of drama and high school and education, but you're using today to rewrite stories. God, we don't wanna leave here the same. We truly do wanna leave here changed, impacted, different, and ready to see and hear the fullness of what you have for us. So we just welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, I really am excited about this. I've got 32 minutes and 11 seconds to preach a lot of sermons. So I need your help today. I need you to listen fast. Can you do that? And here's how you listen fast. If it sounds really good and insightful, say, wow, try it out. If it's somewhat moderately funny, laugh, try it out. (laughs) That's really good, actually. And if it's like so good, you can say so good. Try that one. Oh, that's how you listen fast. I preach faster based upon your response to this. Okay, does that make sense? And I I just want to unpack some stuff that may be challenging because of the backgrounds that we come from. Let me just kind of get a show of hands. How many of you in this room would say, uh, I was raised Baptist? Maybe you were raised Baptist. Put your hands up. For the first half of my childhood, I was raised Baptist. How many of you, maybe Methodist? Raise your hand. Methodist. Any Episcopalians out there? Uh, Any Catholics out there? Okay, we've got a lot of Catholics. Any charismatic or Pentecostals out there? Okay, we've got a few. How many of you say, you know, I'm just straight sinner, straight ghetto hood sinner. Okay, right on. That's my people right there. Okay, you probably get, you have a better background than maybe the rest of us, a little less jacked up in your past. So it becomes challenging and, and often, if we're, if we're being transparent, confusion, confusing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I think that's not just something that's new. It's been going on for thousands of years. In fact, kind of the cat for this series we've been pulling from Acts chapter 19. And, and this is decades into the beginning of the church. And, and we see the apostle Paul, and he's talking about his friend Apollos and, and Paul. They're going to two different cities to preach the gospel. And Paul's headed to, in, in chapter 19, to in, through the interior. And he arrived at Ephesus. And there in verse two, he found some Christians, some disciples, some followers of Christ. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they looked at him and they're like, say what? 
what you talking about, Willis? Like what Holy Spirit, that's the paraphrase, the carry paraphrase. What, what Holy Spirit are you referring to? We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I believe, to be honest, that's still the case today. I believe that there are people who are going to heaven, who know church and know God, but have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think here's the truth. I think it's because he's been given a bad rap. And you, you, whatever it is that you think of when you hear the word Holy Spirit or charismatic or Pentecostal, I think that he's been given a bad rap, whether it's from Hollywood to movies to maybe your heritage or your upbringing. And so then as a result, either people are unaware of the power of the Holy Spirit or they're rejecting him. But I don't think they're rejecting God. I think they're rejecting the packaging, the presentation how, how they experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. So as a result, in our nation, there's been an, a massive swing of the pendulum. There is a side over here that's an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit, what I would call banners and barking. Uh, and the latter part of my, my growing up, I grew up in a church like that, where there was literally banners waved and worship was 45 minutes to an hour-long minimal or God didn't show up. There was a whole team of women that wore these sewed uniforms and had tambourines and choreographed dances. Anybody grow up in anything like that? We're bringing it back. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And, and there was all kinds of crazy things like that. And, and, and there was an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit. And, and you never wanted to bring your unchurched friends. You're like, there's no freaking way ever I'm going to do that. And that's why we call the series Stranger Things, because sometimes we equate the Holy Spirit to stranger things. But then there's also another swing of the pendulum. That's far more common. And I actually think more concerning. And that's an underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. Churches full of people who know God but have never experienced the power of who He is. And I just want to despookify and demystify. Just demystify. In fact, I believe there's a middle ground. And I, that's what we're, we're aiming at, at at the movement church. I'm not saying we've arrived, I'm saying that's what we're aiming at. And so I want to challenge you, if you missed last week, man, oh, get the podcast. The preacher was really good looking last week, and his message, I think, is profound for you today. I'm not sure it wasn't preaching, but check it out. And here's what I want to challenge you today. Text the word notes and follow along. Everybody pull out your phone for one second, just so, so nobody feels awkward. And text the word notes so you can follow along, because I want to tackle a term that's actually had people running potentially for many years, this word, it, it, it often creates a lot of potential tension for people, and that's the word Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. And, and for some of you, depending on your background, you might think of way too much makeup or no makeup at all, or you don't, who knows what it is you believe. But I, I, I want to give you a little background on the word Pentecost. This is actually isn't a day. It's not a day. I'm sorry. It's not a, a word or a denomination. It's actually a day or an event. And uh, Jesus, if I can give you some history on this, Jesus lived 33 years on the earth. The last three years of his life were his ministry here, where we get the teachings that he has, the miracles were done. And then at the end of those three years of ministry, he died on the cross and paid the penalty of the sin of humanity. Now, my Bible and your Bible says that three days later, he rose from the grave and spent 40 days with his homies before he ascended to heaven. Aren't you glad Jesus had some homies, okay? He spent 40 days with his friends before he ascended to heaven. Now listen, 10 days after Jesus, I'm not making this up, it's in your Bible, permission to belong before you believe. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. 
10 days after he ascended into heaven, the day of Pentecost came. Now in the Bible, the day of Pentecost is in reference to when the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the church. That word poured out is, may not be a reference that makes sense to everybody, but the Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way. We read this in Acts chapter 2, and the day of Pentecost is or was the catalyst for the movement that you are part of today, which is called the church. The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Now, I'm going to unpack some Old Testament concepts and parallel them to the New Testament so we can see what God is doing. So can I take a moment and give a history lesson? You don't have an option. I'm going to do it anyways. In a Jewish calendar, there were seven holidays, of which three were major ones, very similar to what we would celebrate for Christmas and Thanksgiving, etc. And these holidays actually have unique meanings, listen, that Jesus used as an illustration to show us what he wanted us to accomplish. He used these three holidays. So in that day and in the culture where Jesus was, this would have just been common sense. They didn't have to explain this, but I want to explain it to us because most of us don't know the holidays. I want us to help understand and see the beauty of God's design and everything that he's doing. So look at what Jesus said. This is exactly what Jesus said when it comes to the Old Testament and the New Testament. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, listen, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I didn't come to wipe out all that you know and to get rid of the Old Testament. But he said, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So let me say it a different way. We don't do the practices of the Old Testament, but we still embrace the principles. That's worth writing down. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the scripture. Let me put it this way. We can see God's plan for our lives in these holidays. So I want to talk about three of these holidays and unpack the correlation to what God wants to do and say in our life. The first holiday is Passover. Everyone say Passover. Come on, like you mean it. Say Passover. Let me give you a little more history. So whether or not you know this, back in the day, the, the Hebrews went to Egypt because of a famine in the land. And they got stuck in Egypt. And the Pharaoh turned them into slaves and free manual labor and built his kingdom. Well, God didn't want his people to be in slavery. Aren't you glad we have a God who doesn't want us in slavery? So he sent a deliverer named Moses. Everybody say Moses. Now, most of you probably know who Moses is. If you're old school, you may have seen Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. If you're a little newer school, maybe the Prince of Egypt. But I'm hopeful at least at one point you saw a VeggieTales movie. But regardless, I'm going to unpack a little bit of it. Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go. So God sent 10 plagues, frogs and locusts and all kinds of crazy thing. And the 10th plague he sent was the biggest one of all. And that was that all the firstborn children of every family would die. Now, God didn't want for the children of Israel to die. So he said, here's my plan for you. Listen, I want you to watch this. He said, get the blood of a lamb and put it on the post of the door to your house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over your home and your firstborn child will not die. Now, once they got out of slavery, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to celebrate Passover every year just to remember what I've done. So let's look at the characteristics of this holiday. Let's look at the characteristics and see what God is doing. Number one, a Passover lamb was sacrificed at Passover at 9 a.m. in the morning. They did this because they would eat him later, the lamb, later in the day. 
Then listen, this is true. The lamb was placed in the oven at 3 p.m. according to Jewish holiday law. They literally had a law for everything. At 3 p.m., they would place the sacrificed lamb into the oven. And remember, the whole purpose of this was to remind them of the sacrifice of the lamb. And the sacrifice, here's the third characteristic of this holiday. The sacrifice was the representation, a covering of their sins. Now, that's an important word, covering, a covering. So in other words, we're still sinners, but the lamb is covering that sin. Now, remember, Jesus came to fulfill the holidays, to show us what he's doing. So let me unpack the correlations and the parallels of this. Number one, you need to know this, that Jesus, he actually died on Passover. The holiday where Jesus was crucified, he died. Now listen, your Bible and my Bible says that he was crucified. The nails hit the palms of his hand at 9 a.m. in the morning. 9 a.m. Your Bible and my Bible says that Jesus was placed in the tomb at 3 p.m. Are you tracking with me? And Jesus' sacrifice doesn't cover our sins. He removes them. The Bible says that he removes them as far as the east is from the west. Not just to reaffirm his love for us, but to say, hey, you are a brand new creation. 1 Corinthians 5 says, it shows us where we find the, the parallels of this. It says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So let me tell you what Passover represents. Passover represents salvation. This is the parallel for you and for me today. It represents salvation. Jesus is coming to fulfill the law and he's showing us through the essence of these holidays. And here's the great thing about salvation. It's absolutely free. Now, entire denominations have built theologies around the fact that we must earn God's love for our life. But Jesus destroyed that myth when he gave us the free gift of grace. Are you tracking with me today? We read this in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. It says this, for it is by grace. Grace means unmerited favor. Nothing you could ever possibly do could earn God's grace. He gives it to us freely. You have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. Nothing you can do or work towards or strive for. Nothing. It's a gift of God. Gift number one, not by works so that no one can boast. This is God's free gift. And the first parallel we see in the scripture, let me talk to you about the second holiday. You track with me today. Is this okay? Okay. Second holiday is Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Pentecost. Now, this is the word that often has freaked people out. Like you hear the word Pentecost and you're just expecting you're going to pull out a tote with some snakes and it's about to get weird up in here. <laughs> but let me define this so that you can understand the fullness of how really crazy this word is. Penta, which means five. Cost, which means to the 10th power. Here's the craziness. Are you ready for this? The word Pentecost just means 50. Awesome. That's it. Just 50. And it's in reference to 50 days, listen, after Passover, or for us, seven weeks after Easter. And this was a holiday where they would celebrate when God gave them the law at Mount Sinai. And in that moment, after he removed them from Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai 50 days later, and he gave them the law. And this was an experience of epic proportion where a cloud descended in fire and noise. If you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, he writes the Ten Commandments. Now, that's not real. That's a movie depiction. But it was this massive experience where God showed up. Listen, let me show you the characteristics. A cloud descended with a loud noise and with fire. The second characteristic is God wrote his law on tablets of stone. 
And the third characteristic is kind of crazy is 3,000 people died that day. Let me tell you why. While they were waiting on the law from Moses, they got bored and impatient with God because they thought their timing was better than God's timing. I know it sounds nothing like us today. They were frustrated that God wasn't moving fast enough and on their page. So they took the pen out of the hand of the author and perfecter of their faith and they formed and fashioned a golden idol. In other words, another God to worship. So God was like, the ground opens up and swallows 3,000 people. I'm praying that doesn't happen to you guys today, but I don't know. I'm just kidding. Now let's look at the, the parallels to the New Testament. Let's look at the parallels to Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit descended with a loud sound and with fire. The Bible says that it was such a loud sound that people came rushing to see what had happened. Look at the second parallel. God then wrote his law on the tablets of our heart. And the Bible says this, that after this loud sound and rushing wind, Peter ran outside and he preached the very first sermon in the church. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were added that day. Wow. Do you see the parallels? I love the mirroring images of what God is doing in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now let's look at the scriptures. Acts chapter one, verse three through five says this, after his suffering, this is Jesus, he presented himself to them, that's the disciples, and gave them more convincing proof he was alive. He said, hey, check out the scars in my hand, my side and my feet. Because people are like, is that really you, Jesus? In fact, one of his closest homes is like, I don't know about this. He said, check it out, check it out. Mm, we good? All right. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Look at this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is crucial. Listen to me, people. This is crucial. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, gift number two, my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. Look at this. It's very important. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So baptized in water, that's salvation. He said, you've already experienced the free gift of salvation, but I'm not through with you yet. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So you have salvation, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus tells us why. Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now look at this. Why? Because I need you to be my witnesses. I need you to help me spread the message to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So here's what he's saying. In essence, look at me, folks. He's saying this. He's saying, you need power to do what I've created you to do, to go be witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria. What he's saying is to Orange County, to California, to the United States, and to the world. So what Pentecost really means, what it really represents. It's not, it's not a church service. It's not goosebumps. It's not good feelings. Let me tell you what it is. It's the power to make a difference. That's what Pentecost is. It's the power to go and make a difference in your world. Why? Because we have a job to do. You and I have a job to do. So now let me briefly talk about the third holiday. Are y'all tracking with me today? Is this okay? Listen, the third holiday, this is called tabernacles. Everyone say tabernacles. Now, the first two happened in the spring, but this holiday happened in the fall. 
and they were celebrating the wandering in the desert. So God removes them from slavery. He gives them the law at Mount Sinai, but then they rejected God and they were disobedient. And so they wandered for 40 years through what is now modern day Saudi Arabia, 40 years just waiting to find a permanent home. The word tabernacle was synonymous with a portable house or what you and I would refer to as a tent. And this was a period of time for the Hebrews when they weren't in their permanent home yet. Let's look at the characteristics of this holiday. The first is they were wandering and living in temporary huts until brought to their final home, which was called the promised land. Are you getting this? They were wandering waiting for the final destination. And this was celebrated during a harvest season. Let's look at the parallels of this. Can I just tell you, we are living on a temporary earth. I know this is contrary to wild belief, but you will not live forever. (sighs) This, This body will not last forever, no matter what we try to do. I'm heading rapidly towards 40 and I'm working my rear end off to go into the best shape of my life. And somewhere in the last 10 years, metabolism left me. I don't know where it's gone. Can I get an amen from some people who understand? Okay. Yeah. Whenever somebody says, I can eat whatever I want and nothing happens, I punch them in the face. Yeah. Don't tell me that after service, it'd be bad. Paul said this, we are aliens and strangers. Just passing through. You know what's so sad is I think a lot of times as, as Americans specifically, we fail to see this until someone who's very close to us has passed. When you have a loved one, I'm not talking about an aunt or an uncle that you haven't talked to in 20 years. When I'm talking about, yes, a loved one that passes, you are faced with the reality of what happens after death. You're faced with it. I mean, you you need to know that we are headed at life speed towards eternity. And we will go to one of two places, either heaven or hell. We'll be brought to our final destination. Are you seeing the parallels of this? The Feast of Tabernacles, the holiday holiday of tabernacles. In fact, the, the last characteristic is that it was celebrated at harvest time And in the New Testament, there will be a final great harvest of people saying yes to Jesus. And I might submit to you, there's a possibility we're in the last days. I don't know. People have been making making guesses about that for years. I don't know if you guys have been around the church long enough or remember 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 88. Is there anybody in here? None of you. Okay, there was a book written by a guy who was convinced he was a prophet. Apparently, he'd missed the boat. (laughs) People have been predicting this for years, but here's what, I can, here's what I can tell you. There have been more people who have said yes to Jesus in the last 18 years than in the last 2,000. Wow. So this is a harvest generation. God is up to something. Look, he says it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. At some point, he's coming back. Your Bible, my Bible says that I'm not making this stuff up with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. You know what's interesting? You know what the Feast of Tabernacles, the holiday of tabernacles is referred to, and another word would be the Feast of Trumpets. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, who we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So let me tell you what the Feast of Tabernacles is a representation of the second coming of Christ. We're heading at one destination. Either Jesus is gonna come back in our lifetime or we're gonna die. I hate to tell you that. One of those two things is gonna happen. And when we do, we're gonna stand before Jesus. That day is coming. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We are headed towards eternity. These are three different holidays where we see three different themes that God wants for us. Three different things we need to know that God wants for our life. The first, and it all begins with Passover. Passover is the cross. It's the beginning of a relationship with Jesus where we just say yes to who he is. Step one, saying yes to Jesus, but it doesn't end there. We don't just check the get out of heaven for free box and then just do what we wanna do and live how we wanna live contrary to wild belief. No, the Bible says then he has an assignment for you. He has an assignment for me. Once I've been saved, God has an assignment. And here's the kicker. It's too big for you to accomplish on your own. God's plan and his hope and his dreams for you are always bigger than what you could possibly imagine. That's good news. The greatest dreams that you have for your life pale in comparison to the fullness of what God has for you. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the greatness of our God. So he saves us and then he has an assignment for us that's too big for me to accomplish on my own. So I'll need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll need a Pentecost experience in my life. Listen, not for the sake of entertainment, not for the sake of being weird, but for the sake of mission. My mission and your mission. Because ultimately there will come a day we'll stand before Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to help get as many people there as I can with me. Are you tracking with me today? Eternity in heaven. I think most Christians can get heaven and they can get the concept of Christ. But I believe very few people today understand the age that we're living in. I mean, this happened even in scripture, found in Acts chapter two, right after God poured out his spirit in a powerful, profound way. It said, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this even mean? So it's been a confusing, challenging component for people's faith for years, but it's simple. Listen to me, I believe he wants you and for me to have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Week one, we talked about the the breath, the fresh air, the the wind and the sails of the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake about it. Listen, this is the truth. God needs you to possess the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life in a supernatural and great way because you've got things to accomplish that you don't have the strength on your own to do. Are y'all tracking with me? It got real quiet in this church today. Let me show you three things that God wants to empower you in in reference to the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Everybody say righteously. Righteously. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Remember, Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of God's law, where God says, here's the things that I want. Don't don't do those things and, and live this way. It's better for you. But the problem is it was written on tablets of stone. And so many of us, we perceive and we view and we watch And we observe the writing of God's law, but it remains on the outside. It's not a part of who we are. Let me help you understand what that translates into. Here's how it plays out. I love God. And I'm trying to live right. 
But if I'm honest, I just don't really want to. I just really struggle with this. But you see, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what happens. He begins to write his law, his heart for us on the journal of our own heart. It begins to shift things and it, it shifts away from I have to obey it to I become it. I know that seems so crazy, but it shifts away from the things that I feel like I have to do to things that I want to do. Why? Because he's taking my natural nature and my desires and he's shifting things on me. It doesn't mean there's never an enticement to sin. It just means that I recognize, man, the, the, the wages, the payment of that, the, the consequences of that sin far outweigh the fullness of what God has for me. I start saying no to the things I used to say yes to and yes to the things that God wants me to say yes to. Are you tracking with me today? Romans 8 and 9. You, however, are controlled, look at this, not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If, I would submit that's a contingency, if the spirit of God lives in you. If he lives in you shifting my choices from things that I feel like I have to do to things that I want to do. Jesus said, my Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. It's when he whispers into the quietness of our own heart and he says, oh man, this is what I have for you. No, no, don't do that. It's not worth it. That juice isn't worth the squeeze. There's a better life. That's how God talks to me. That juice ain't worth the squeeze, Carrie. Yes, sir. Isaiah said it best. I love it. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, one of my favorite verses. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. In 2006, God birthed the idea of starting this church in, in my heart and in Megan's heart. We were in Texas on staff at a church and we had a pit stop for five years at a great church in Phoenix. And in 2011, it became very abundantly clear that God was moving us in the direction to move and plant or begin this church. But here's the challenge. We knew it was going to be in Southern California, but we didn't know where. I don't know if you've been around here very much lately, but Southern California is pretty stinking huge. From Ventura to the border of Mexico is 120 miles. 60 miles in breadth and just a skosh over 22 million people. That's overwhelming. And here was the good news. We didn't know how to plant a church. We didn't have a house. We didn't have enough money. We just had us and we're going to move to Southern California. Can I get an amen from some crazy people? Here's what we did know is God was calling us. So we drove out Like the song says, we've been on the run driving in the sun and uh, with a spiritual metal detector. If you haven't heard this story, it means you haven't been to the Welcome to Church party and we're praying for you. God, where are you taking us? I mean, we have two small kids. It's not like this decision matters. We're looking at all the schools. I had an app that told me all the demographics and how it would work and how to, where to plant and how to have a great family. We had an organization coming alongside to help us know how to plant a church, but we didn't just need analytics and statistics. I didn't need more knowledge of what Genesis said or Matthew or Mark said. 
I needed an encounter with the Holy Spirit to go, this is the place you're supposed to plant a church. So we were praying like you've never prayed before. We drove down the 405 headed south, hit beach at Huntington, cut in towards the PCH and cruise down PCH. And we're having this discussion. We were doing this over three different days. God, where are you taking us? It's a big deal. We don't want to just go anywhere. We, we need to go where you want us to go. And, and I could feel something on the inside, just like Orange County, South Orange County. That's where you got to go. We, we literally were having the conversation and Megan's like, are you sure this is right? And we turned left at Crown Valley and headed towards Pacific Island Drive and turned left on Pacific Island Drive. And Megan's like, I, I, where do you think? I, th I think this is the area. She's like, are you sure, babe? We can't get this wrong. Right that, at that point, we passed a street called Flying Cloud. It's still there today. You can go check it out. I say that like this happened 75 years ago. <laughs> I Cadillac that mug, turn that car around. Bah. If y'all don't know how to do that, I'm praying for you. You need some help. Bah. Toyota Yaris, Woo! four cylinders, bam. <laughs> You're welcome. Got out of the car and looked at Saddleback Valley. Saddleback Mountain off to the east. San Clemente down to the south, Camp Pendleton, Irvine. Tustin, Santa Ana, Liso Viejo, and Mission Viejo. And it was as if all life and creation paused. And the Holy Spirit leaned in and he said, this is your region. Put his finger right in the middle. And I said, okay. I said, babe, this is our region. And drove back home and unpacked everything up and made a plan and moved out to Southern California with a dream in our heart to plant a church and we didn't know anybody here. We didn't have any money, didn't have a building, had to rent a home that cost more than Jesus. <laughs> and it's this big. Got three bunk beds, a toilet, and a camping shower. It's pretty awesome. And now you're here. And Jerry Hardy's here. I didn't know Jerry Hardy before, but God had a plan for Jerry to be a part of my life and me to be a part of his life, and he's part of your life. And Brittany Wilson is here, about to have a baby. Most healthy, beautiful baby ever. And she's a part of my life and Megan's life and your life and Royce is here, the sage, smartest man in this room. I didn't know him till this church. It's crazy how that works out. Joel Peterson back on the drums, AKA DJ Joel Savvy Suave. I don't, I just made that up. Felt good. I wish I hadn't said it. And it's weird how God aligns our hearts and our lives, right? to write a beautiful picture of God's grace and mercy. And the Holy Spirit knew that in that moment when I turned a U-turn at Flying Cloud. And I just imagine what would my life be like without the power of the Holy Spirit? Where would you be? Where would I be? My daughter got baptized in this church. You track with me? We prayed for her for a long time. She was six, so we're good. 
And that's what God, that's the Pentecost experience. And, and you might be on either side of that pendulum swing, but stop. Because God's got salvation and Pentecost. So he can write the law that he has for you on the tablet of your heart so it adjusts your nature, but also so you can live a supernatural life. If you wanna live naturally, you go ahead and help yourself. But we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the supernatural power of God. We wouldn't be here. What God has planned for you is too big for you. It's too big for you. If you like to marginalize your life, then you go for it. But I want to dream big. I'd rather aim for the stars and miss than aim for a pile of other stuff and hit it. (laughs) And none of us have a problem believing that Jesus did those miracles, do we? Healed the sick. The lame recovered. But we just think, no, but not us. That's Jesus. And yet Jesus said greater things will you accomplish greater things not weird things not spooky things just the power of the Holy Spirit look I don't want to just be good at being a pastor and just try to preach a great message have a great worship journey and a good service and great I want to introduce people to the power of the Holy Spirit the Pentecost experience where they can say yes I've got salvation but now I'm empowered to be who God's called me to be and the plan and the purpose on my life is so big I can't do it on my own so God you have to show up you've got to show up to live a supernatural life we got to scroll on to the next points and move forward the other thing I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us to do is to live on mission Look at me, to live on mission. If you, I just want to just say something bold for a minute. I'm going to go long today. I'm trying to get better at preaching, but y'all aren't amening enough for that one portion about heaven and hell, so I got to just preach longer. It's your fault. <laughs> if you are looking for a church that, where you can just handle your issues and take care of what you need, then we're not the church for you. I know that sounds bold, but let me explain what I mean by that. We want to pastor you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you have the greatest marriage you've ever had and accomplish and discover your purpose and that your students would be just radically in love with Jesus. And and we want all that for you, but so that we can be on mission. We exist not to be a country club for Christians, but we exist to inspire the one who is far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. So every Sunday will be full of radical grace where everyone is welcome to experience the fullness of who Jesus is. Listen, we're gonna feed the homeless. We're gonna take care of the widow. We're gonna plant more churches. We're gonna reach the orphan and the marginalized until all have heard. We will not stop that. When I die and I'm no longer the pastor, y'all can do whatever you wanna do, but until that time comes, we're gonna reach people who need Jesus, allow God to do something. We exist not for us, but for the world to make a difference. We'll come alongside, we'll encourage, we'll help, we'll pastor, but so that we can reach our world. He asked you and me to do something that you and I can't do on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to my last and final point. And I say this is kind of more out of a pet peeve and a frustration just because of my heritage and upbringing. But for some reason in the church, we've allowed the enemy to use the pendulum swing as a divisive nature. 
And whether you're on this side of the pendulum swing or this side, we feel like we've become the elite Christian because we're not those crazy, weird people. Or we've got the Holy Spirit. We're praying for you. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than somebody else. It doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. It makes me better than me. I don't have the strength to pastor this church. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, I can accomplish what he's called me to accomplish. I'm not good enough to be a husband to Megan like she needs. She needs a lot. That's why her Instagram handle is Diva Pastor. Don't say stop. Somebody said stop it. Stop it. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be who Megan. She's raising two girls in the way that she has gone. It's just expensive at my house. Y'all pray for me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you makes me better than me. Hey, we're going to talk about this stuff from this series. Come back for week two and three. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And that one that you're thinking of, that you're wondering if we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. There's a middle. You don't have to be in both, but you do want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us in here have a next step when it comes to spiritual growth. Look at me in the eyes. None of us have arrived. None of us have. We all have a next step. Jesus first wants for us Passover and then Pentecost so we can all experience the tabernacle. Are you tracking with me today? Let me just shift gears for a moment with the last few remaining moments we have together. It's a lie. It's going to be about seven to eight minutes. Minimum. There's some of you in this room that today is about Passover saying yes to Jesus, starting there. And it's a free gift. You don't have to do anything, not church membership, not give more, sing louder. Just say yes to Jesus. And let him, let him have the pen back to write the story of your life. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And some of you need to pray that with me. No embarrassment. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. Some of you need to pray it with me. Some of you have been running from God and you need to pray this prayer again. In fact, we're going to pause right here and go into this. Would you do me a favor? Heads bowed, eyes closed. And I'm going to ask nobody leave, nobody moving, nobody walking around. If you're here and you, you, you need to pray that prayer, it'll be between you and God and, and the quietness of your own heart. Maybe it's the first time you've prayed it and maybe it's time to pray it again because you've been running. But I'd ask a favor of you. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to shift the order up today. But if you're here and you need to pray that prayer in a moment with me, I'm going to ask that just raise your hands and you let me know. If that's you, you say, I need to pray that prayer. Nobody's looking. Would you just put your hand up and then put it right back down? Anyone? Awesome. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? It's been a long time and I need to pray. Count me on that prayer, Pastor Kerry. Awesome. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Count me in that prayer. I want to have that Passover experience. Count me in that prayer, Pastor Kerry. Count me in that prayer. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I've been running. I've been playing with my faith. Today's the day. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? 15 more seconds. I'm a little embarrassed to raise my hand, but I know I need to pray that prayer. Raise your hand. Let me see. Count me in that prayer. Awesome. Awesome. Let me pray for us now. Let me give you the words to say. Just between you and God, maybe in the sincerity of your own heart. Just dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the free gift of grace. Would you forgive me? And just make these words your own. Just make these words your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.